Hello and welcome to your Active's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's Agri-Food News team. So this week was another CAP week, another uh, week devoted to the Common Agricultural Policy, the EU's main farming subsidy programme. And, and of course, a devoted listener, a random one, might say, what are you talking about? Three weeks ago, you were saying that it was the final CAP down. But as we explained at that time, although we might have been seeing some light at the end of the tunnel with the votes in the parliament and, uh, and the adoption of the position um, of the council, so of the farming minister, we were not at the end of this process, uh, but rather at the halfway point because tri- trilogues still need to be done. Uh, we're talking about negotiations between the parliament and the uh, European Council uh, that could last a long time. Last time they took 18 months to reach a conclusion, to reach an agreement. And perhaps we simply don't have so much time this time, but it, it, it takes time. And and what happened this week? Uh, there was the first trilogue meeting on the Common Agricultural Policy Reform. It was a, a remote one, although we've seen some rapporteurs like the the French MEP Anselmer uh, tweeting from the parliament. Uh, she was in a room. Um, but again, it was just a get-to-know-you meeting, you know, where, where parties make their introductory statements and and present their negotiating mandates, which, anyway, we, we are all aware of. But, as you know, negotiations are basically done by the council and the parliament. That's why they're called, uh, they're called the EU lawmakers. So the commission has the initiative, but the lawmakers will ultimately approve the EU law. And the commission joins the trilogue. Uh, that's why, of course, it's it's a trilogue. You have three parties. But they join as a honest broker, as, as they say. So that's the phrase that they use. So um, they, theoretically, they don't have the power to intervene, but to... Uh, you know, it's like a referee, basically. But at, at a certain point, they could um, they could uh, come up with some kind of uh, uh, solutions, particularly when when there's a, stal- a stalemate. So uh, what was interesting is that actually the Commission was the most active institutions on the eve of the first meeting, which was on Tuesday uh, at the European Parliament. I mean. Earlier this week, we had a, lo- a look at uh, a letter that Commission President Ursula von der Leyen sent to the Greens, the Green Group at the European Parliament. Um, it was a reply because after having voted against the Parliament position, the Greens wrote an open letter to von der Leyen urging her to withdraw the Commission's weak, I'm quoting uh, the Greens letter here, weak and outdated CAP proposal and present a new one that is in line with the EU's Green Deal, the the flagship uh, uh, environmental policy um, of the Commission. So we we published what uh, von der Leyen replied and uh, and she shared some of the the doubts raised in the letter by the Greens, saying that certain aspects of both positions indeed appear to her at this stage, unable to forge a final uh, common agricultural policy that could produce positive results and deliver uh, on the Green Deal objectives. However, despite these uh, reservations, von der Leyen remains 
convinced that the negotiation process, if underpinned by a joint determination to honor the EU's commitment towards sustainability, can result in a new cap that is fit for purpose. That's why she's not considering a withdrawal. And, um, and he also, she also added that uh, we may just have a different opinion on how to get there, uh, referring to the Greens. Uh, but she also added that in the coming weeks, she will indicate in detail what elements of the cap reform are essential for the Commission in order to honor the EU's ambition about climate, environment, and a fair farming income. So we expected that these details would have come uh, this Monday because we were like summoned for a press briefing, an, an off-the-record press briefing, uh, so for journalists only, uh, by the Commission, but then the uh, briefing was postponed, and now we're looking forward to seeing uh, what elements of the CAP reform are essential for the Commission. But at the same time, another extremely important uh, signal was the presence of uh, Franz Timmermans, at the trial of Franz Timmermans is the executive vice president in charge for the Green Deal. Um, and that's uh, and this was a clear message that the EU executive will watch over the compatibility of, of common agricultural policy with the Green Deal. But I also say, I commented um, on, on Twitter uh, saying that it was also a sign of weaknesses for the DG Agri, so the director general, um, that deals with the agricultural staff uh, because, I mean, they should know how to deal with this kind of stuff. And what happened, the commission, the agriculture commissioner, uh, Janusz Wojciechowski, uh, replied, and he basically highlighted the importance of giving this signal uh, when it comes to the Green Deal compliance of uh, the new uh, common agricultural policy. Last thing, and I keep my mouth shut forever, Franz Timmermans did an interview, uh, appeared on uh, German TV uh, Tagesschau, and um, and he passed unnoticed, quite unnoticed, but he basically said that he was uh, very disappointed by the, the cap reform positions of uh, both the Council and the European Parliament, as they're sticking to an agricultural policy that is not sustainable and cannot continue like this. And... Yeah, she, he also added that both ministers and MEPs have not shown uh, more ambition. And in other news, EU honey harvests have felt the sting, excuse the pun, of climate change uh, with record losses, according to EU Farmers Association, Copacajeca. Um, so apparently honey harvests have dropped by 40% this year on the back of extreme weather conditions. And the Farmers Association is now sounding the alarm and warning that the sector urgently needs help from the European Commission. So this drop marks a, a new record loss and the news comes as a fresh blow for the sector which actually is following a similarly poor harvest from the year before and also is a sector which suffers from um, deep and structural market distortions according uh, to the Farmers Association. So this drop, um, as I said, has been put down to climatic conditions, including flooding and droughts, uh, which subsequently led to the reduction in plant flowering periods. 
Um, and the so basically, Copacabana um, Honey Working Party released a report about this, which also notes that there has never been a greater disparity across the EU honey sector, so that it isn't being felt equally across the EU. Um, instead, it highlights that countries in Central and Eastern Europe have been particularly hard hit due to this, these extreme weather conditions, and that given the large bulk of producers are located. In Eastern and Southern Europe, um, the Working Party now warns that there might be an unprecedented drop in production, which they say verges in the near absence of certain kinds of honey from these regions, such as acacia honey, which is also one of my favourites. So very sad. But it's not just sad um, because because of the drop in honey. Obviously, bees play an enormously important role in our ecosystem, um, pollinating our crops. And so um, it's not just a blow for the uh, 650,000 beekeepers that we have in the EU, um, which manage some 18 million beehives, um, but it's also obviously um, a, a huge threat to our to our ecosystem and to our biodiversity and uh, and our crops. So, the Farmers Union um, also notes that this drop in yields has not been accompanied. By a corresponding price increase, which you might expect with this kind of thing. Um, but actually, they say that honey prices in the main importing countries are continuing to fall. And it makes a pretty strong statement saying that without the appropriate help and without the appropriate tools, the future of beekeeping is in danger. So the kind of um, appropriate tools they're talking about, um, or the lack of the appropriate tools they're talking about, is the absence of a strong origin labelling, which they say could really help the sector, and also the fact that there is a nearly undetectable adulteration of honey um, in the EU, so honey fraud, and they identify these as the two largest threats to the sector. So they're calling on European legislators uh, to take measures in this respect. So for the news from the Brussels bubble this week, uh, the Commission adopted additional tariffs of 25% on U.S. agricultural goods after, uh, as a retaliation after the, the famous uh, uh, Boeing Airbus uh, case at the WTO. Uh, but at the same time, the European Parliament's Trade Committee um, passed um, the... Basically, it's not a free trade agreement, but an agreement to scrap uh, its tariffs the EU's tariffs on lobster it was a kind of uh, mini trade deal uh, with the US. A provisional agreement was struck this week on the rollout of recovery funds in the EU agricultural sector, which will make a total of 10 billion euros available for farmers from 2021 up until the end of 2022. So the agreement paves the way for the deployment of uh, these recovery funds, which are designed to help the sector bounce back from disruptions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. So the part of the recovery fund devoted to farming was actually originally due uh, to be made available only from the start of the next common agricultural policy period, so from January uh, 2023 onwards. But this has been brought forward given the unprecedented challenges that we are facing uh, in the agricultural sector and in rural areas. So if you want more information about this, you can check out uh, the article on URATIS website. And the European Parliament voted this week in favour of a preparatory action aimed at finding alternatives to high concentration carbon dioxide stunning or killing of pigs, which is actually currently uh, the most frequently used in all major EU pig slaughterhouses.
for the agri-food news from the capitals this week, uh, we start with Romania, where food markets have become the latest battleground of Romanian politicians, as the government has decided to stop the activity of food markets in closed space as one of the measures uh, to restrict the spread of the coronavirus. However, the news was not welcomed by either the parliament or, uh, or food producers, especially given that supermarkets have been allowed to remain open. In France, many major retailers signed a charter in which they vowed to promote local French agri-food products in shops. A supermarket banner will enable consumers to immediately identify where these products can be found. According to the Agriculture Minister Julien de Normandie, the aim of this initiative is to perpetrate this trend towards the consumption of fresh and local products observed uh, during the first confinement. Local shops are already doing this, he said, and it is uh, therefore necessary to reinforce the promotion of these products on the shelves of the supermarkets. And we move to Germany, where the Agriculture Minister, Julia Klöckner, presented uh, Germany's report on the development of rural areas on um, the 11th of November, And this report found that these areas have helped cushion the economic blow of COVID-19. The study finds that 42% of Germany's population lives in small or medium-sized towns in rural areas, and that half of the country's economic output is generated there. Uh, Julia Klochner, the agricultural minister, uh, is therefore calling for more investment in rural areas, particularly in the areas of infrastructure, education and other local services. And in the UK, the UK's landmark agriculture bill became law this week. So the legislation sets out how farmers and land managers in England will be rewarded in the future with public money for public goods, such as better air and water quality or improved soil health. And this is under the new environmental land management scheme. Uh, So this is designed to replace the direct payments that the UK farmers have been receiving under the common agricultural policy. And in Ireland, Ireland's agricultural minister, Charlie McConnellog, announced this week that he has written to more than 20,000 agri-food companies to remind them of the significant changes that will occur come 1st of January 2021. And he says this is regardless of the outcome of the EU-UK negotiations. So in his letter, the minister called on businesses to urgently prepare for customs and regulatory changes, saying that there will be delays in the movement of goods compared to current single market supported arrangements. Lastly, in Poland, the Minister of Agriculture, Gregorich Puda, has ordered veterinary services to carry out tests on mink farms for coronavirus and also appealed to the owners to monitor the state of health of both the animals as well as the employees that work on the farms. So this news comes after the Danish government decided to carry out a mass culling of minks farmed uh, in the country after they were found to be carrying a strain of coronavirus. This week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Food, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. So this podcast can also be found on all major streaming platforms, including Amazon, Apple, Stitcher and Spotify. I'm Natasha Foote. Thank you for listening and see you next week.
This podcast is part of Euractiv's project Beyond Agriculture, funded by the IMCAP program of the European Union. The content of this podcast represents the views of the author only and is his, her, sole responsibility. The European Commission does not accept any responsibility for use that may be made of the information it contains.